Well, good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, we will be in chapter 4, the first six verses of 2 Corinthians. Now, this Advent season, we have been tracing the biblical theme of light shining out of the darkness to teach us what it looks like to experience the coming of Christ in our lives. Advent is about the coming of Christ. It's about His first coming at His birth. It's about His second coming when He will return to usher in the new heavens and the new earth and reign in glory. And yet we live between these two advents of Christ, his birth on one hand and his coming on the other. So our experience of the coming of Christ in this Advent season won't be exactly like what the shepherds experienced when they saw the Christ child on the night of his birth. And if the Lord tarries, we won't experience his coming as a conquering king riding upon a horse with a sword descending from heaven this Advent season. It will have to wait. So what does it look like when the Lord comes in your life? What is the experience? What are the results? What would it mean in a month from now if you looked back and you said, you know, this past Advent season... I really did feel the power of Christ coming in my life. There was a difference in my life because of Advent. In our passage for this morning, the Apostle Paul is describing what it looks like when the light of the gospel penetrates the darkness of sin and ignorance. And in this passage, we will come to see three things about the light. First, we will see what the light is. Second, we will see how people come to see the light. And third, we will see how we might be a part of seeing the light spread. So turn your attention now to the Word of God. I'm actually going to start up in verse 17 of chapter 3, just because it's so good, I can't skip it. 17, verse 17 of chapter 3 into chapter 4. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God 
who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Creator God, You said, let light shine out of darkness and light has shone. You remind us that the darkness of ignorance and doubt cannot overcome Your life-giving Word. And so we pray, may Your Holy Spirit, who first inspired these words of Scripture, shine Your light and once again awaken us to the hearing and living of this radiant truth. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So first... The first question, what is light? What is light in this passage that Paul has, that we have from Paul? In verse 6, we see the answer of what light is. It says, for the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is light? Quite simply, the light is the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The first thing that we need to see when it comes to understanding the coming of light into our lives is that light comes as a revelation of the glory of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light for His coming is that of a light shining in the darkness. He is the light of the world. Yet what does it mean that He is the light of the world? Well, if you remember from the creation sermon, I'm sure that each and every one of you remembers this. Light is primarily a revelation of the glory of God. So when we say that Jesus is the light, we are saying that Jesus is, is the highest and most full revelation of who God is. If you would know and experience the glory of God, you must know and experience it in the person of Jesus Christ. As verse 4 says, you see there, it says that Christ is the image of God Himself. Or Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. If we are asking the question, what is the light? The light is the glory of God. We saw that from the very beginning. But where is the glory of God most clearly seen? Paul says to us that the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ is where we see God revealed at His highest extent. Therefore, when light shines out of the darkness, when we experience the presence of God in our lives, we experience it as a revelation of God's glory through the gospel of Jesus Christ. What verse 4 calls the gospel of the glory of Christ. You see, the glory of God means the beauty and the majesty of God. 
We all know and experience glory in our lives in one level or another. This is why we go to concerts, to the symphony, to football games. We go because we want to see glory. This is, we want to see beauty on display. We want to see power. We want to see and hear and experience something that is great. Something that is bigger than ourselves. When I was in high school, I convinced a couple of my buddies to fly from Georgia, where we lived, out to Washington State to climb Mount St. Helens with me. And I'll never forget what happened when we finally made it to the summit after two days of hiking through the snow. We came up the south side of the mountain, which is the side that didn't blow up. It was a clear day in May, which isn't common in Washington. And when we got to the top of the mountain, we looked out and down over the edge of the precipice. And we could see how the mountain had blown itself apart. We could see how it blew out the north end. And we could see for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles the destruction that occurred at that moment when it imploded. We could see the other peaks of the region. Mount Adams is to the east. Mount Hood to the south. Mount Rainier to the north. And the sheer magnitude and weight and beauty of what we saw was so exhilarating and so humbling at the same time. All three of us, high school seniors, stood in awe. One of my friends even began to weep for joy at the glory of what he saw. And I'm sure that each one of you could recall a time when you experienced glory. A glory that overwhelmed you. Maybe it was a sunset over the desert. A meteor shower. An ocean view. A mountaintop experience. The birth of a child. Something in which the experience of it overwhelmed you with glory. And what we experience in this world is merely a glimpse of the infinitely more powerful glory of God. Whatever you think you know of glory and beauty is nothing compared to the glory of God. It is what you were made to see. It was what you were made to enjoy. And what Paul is saying in our text for this morning is that to know this glory to know the highest glory, to experience the glory that you were created to experience and love, you must experience it in the person of Jesus Christ alone. Jesus is where you see the glory of God. He is the light. And each and every single one of you here this morning, whether you are a Christian or not, have a desire for this glory. You have a desire to take joy in something that is marvelous. You have a desire to be overwhelmed with something that is beyond yourself. That desire is to know the light of the glory of God. And while we might have glimpses of it in the world, it is only in the face of Jesus Christ that we experience it in its fullness. The glory, the light, is the face of Jesus Christ. But then why do some people not see the light of Jesus Christ? 
If He is the light that is shining and each one of us have a desire for the light, why is it that some people reject the light of Jesus Christ? I mean, I think most people would accept the glory of climbing a mountain and seeing the glorious beauty of creation. I think most people would accept seeing the glory of a sunset over the ocean and enjoying that glory. Why is it that the highest glory, the best glory, the glory that we were created to experience is so often rejected if we all desire it? We'll look down at verse 3 and 4. We'll see why it is that it is rejected. Paul says, even if our gospel is veiled, right, they can't see this glory, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We all know that there are many who look at Jesus and they don't see the glory of God. They might see glory in a number of other things. They might see glory in power, in nature, in athletic achievement. But they look at the gospel of Jesus Christ and they see no glory in it. So you share the gospel with your children as you are eating dinner together and you see no response from them. You talk to your neighbor about Christ and he thinks, man, why does this weirdo keep coming over here and talking to me about Jesus? You share Christ at school with a child or with a co-worker and you get in trouble for trying to share the glory of God. You get in trouble for it. You invite your friend to come to youth group and they think, why do you waste your time? So why? Why is it that people don't see anything glorious in Jesus Christ? Well, the text says because their eyes are veiled. The light of the glory of Christ is shining, but they don't have eyes to see the light. And it's because the God of this world has blinded them. Their minds have no capacity to see the light of Jesus Christ. I'm sure that there are times when you share the glory of Jesus Christ and there's no response and you think, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I am a weirdo. I think there's light. I see glory. Why don't they? It's not because there isn't light. It's because they have been blinded. They're numb to the warmth of the light. Paul says earlier in 2 Corinthians, they smell Jesus, but to him he smells like death. And to you he smells like life. They cannot taste and see that the Lord is good. The Bible uses all sorts of sense-oriented language to communicate that those who are apart from Christ do not have the capacity to experience the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The sun is shining, but they don't have eyes to see it. They are blind. Now Paul uses the phrase, the God of this world, to describe this blinding work of Satan. And we might flinch at the use of the word God to describe the work of the devil. Yet we must understand that while he is not God, nor is he a true God, he is the ruler of this fallen world. He is the prince of the power 
of the air. And by His power, He has blinded the minds of humanity from seeing the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have a powerful enemy who is powerfully at work in this world. He has put a veil over our eyes, which is called sin. The blind see Jesus and He's a fairy tale. He's a historical figure. He's an interesting study. He's a dead Jewish peasant. He might be a wise teacher. He might be a social revolutionary. But He's not the divine Son of God. He's not the Savior of the world. And there's nothing particularly radiant or glorious about this man. The God of this world has blinded them. And each and every single one of us was born in this condition. We love to see the glory of the things in this world. We love the God of this world and all that He promises to give us if we follow Him. Pride and wealth and comfort and vanity and possessions. We love the glory of dominance. We love the glory of physical prowess. We love the glory of the wisdom of this world. But until something supernatural happens to open our eyes, we cannot of ourselves see the true glory of God in the weakness, humility, and death of Jesus Christ. So what has to happen? We'll look at verse 6 again. It says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul is going all the way back to the creation of light. Once there was darkness, but after darkness, light. God spoke and light shone forth. And in quoting this verse, Paul is saying that it takes the same type of creative act to cause spiritually blind eyes to see the light that shines forth in the gospel. The God who created light must recreate the broken human heart before it has any ability to see the light of the glory of God shining forth in the face of Jesus Christ. It takes a recreated heart to see the light of the Gospel. That is, we must be born again, born of the Spirit of God, to have faith in Jesus Christ. No matter the arguing the convincing, the pleading, the blind cannot see the light of Jesus Christ until the sovereign hand of God moves to speak light into the darkness and to open the eyes of the blind. If you see the glory of Jesus Christ, if your heart is elated with joy when you hear the Gospel, it's not because you are smarter than other people. It's because God has recreated your heart that your eyes might see His glory. It's all of His grace. This is how you will experience the coming of Christ in your life this Advent season. This is what it means that the light is shining in the darkness. Despite all the glories this world offers this season, it is the glory of God that captures your heart. And everything else that we do to celebrate comes as an overflow of love for this one man. The celebrations, 
and parties and singing and decorations no longer compete with Christ, but they become the notes in a melody that our hearts are singing to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. We will celebrate Advent because we see in the birth of Christ the Savior of the world. We will give gifts because we see the great gift that God has given to us in shining the light of Christ. We will decorate and adorn this world in the brightness and glory that is reflective of our King. We sing not the tunes that are familiar and nostalgic, but rather we sing tunes as an overflow of the glory of God shining forth in the face of Jesus Christ. Because our hearts can do nothing but sing for the greatness of His glory. That is how we will experience the light of Christ this Advent season. We come to see the light by the sovereign, recreative work of God opening our eyes to see that in Jesus Christ, His glory is shining forth. The only way to know the coming of Christ in your life this Advent is by His mercy and grace to open your blind eyes. So, The light is Jesus Christ, the glory of God. We come to see the light through the sovereign, recreative work of God, giving us eyes to see. But then how do we see the light spread? If it takes the work of God to give people ability to see the light, then shouldn't we just sit back this Advent, glory in God, and just let Him do His work? This is what many people accuse us reformed us presbyterians of believing right and i'll admit that there are some who would take this line of logic they say well you know it takes a sovereign act of god to open up blind eyes then why don't we just sit back and let god do it if they can't see the light of christ until god recreates the ability to then what part do we have to play But this is wrong thinking. And it's not really Reformed thinking, Presbyterian thinking, or for that matter, biblical thinking. Look at what Paul says in verses 2 and 3, and then in verse 5, about this gospel. The one who has just taught us that it is God's recreative act by which people see this light. But then he says in verse 2, But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways, We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. How do people come to see the light of Christ? This Advent season, they come to Christ through an open and clear proclamation of the truth. That is the gospel. This is how God has ordained to work through the preaching, through the proclamation, through the teaching of his clear and simple truth. What Paul says in 1 Corinthians, nothing but Christ in him crucified. This is how the light of Christ is spread When people proclaim the clear, simple gospel of Jesus Christ crucified for sinners. When sinners hear 
that by their sin they have rejected and rebelled against a holy God, and that by their sin they have earned the penalty of death and eternal damnation. It comes when they hear that God was not pleased to let all mankind perish, but sent His Son, Jesus, into the world to live a perfect life and to die a perfect death. A death that He did not deserve, but rather the death that we deserved. And that when Christ was crucified, not only did He physically die, but spiritually Christ took on all the sin of His people and spiritually died on their behalf. He substituted Himself in their place so that all who believe in Him, all who place their faith in Him, will not receive eternal punishment that they deserve, but will receive the eternal reward that He deserved. And when this message This message of Christ crucified is proclaimed simply and clearly. The Holy Spirit of God has ordained that He will open eyes to see its truth and to see that it is the most glorious truth ever. Look, you don't need a master's degree. You don't need a doctorate. You don't need official evangelism training to spread the simple, open message of the Gospel. God has ordained to use the simple proclamation of truth to change human hearts. It doesn't matter how much training you had. You can't change a human heart. You're just called to proclaim the truth, to teach the truth, an open declaration of the truth. And if you have eyes, if you've been given eyes to see the glory of God in Jesus Christ, if you love the light, then you are fully equipped to share the light. Look, if you love a restaurant, what do you do? You invite other people to come and eat there, right? You don't need to know how to make their barbecue sauce. You don't need to know how they make that meat fall apart like that. Man, there's this new restaurant down on Bedford Street. If you haven't been there, it's glorious. (laughs) If anyone's connected, I don't mind receiving kickbacks. But look, I ate there when it opened the first day. What I do? Next week, I took somebody there with me. And next week, I hope to take somebody else. Because I love it. It's great. And look, you love things in your life. And you share them with people. You love a sports team. You love a restaurant. You love a book. You love nature. You love a hike. You love your children, and so you post pictures all over Facebook, right? You love things, and you want to experience that love by sharing that love with other people, that they might be brought in to this ever-expanding love that you have. And the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the Gospel, is a proclamation That you love Jesus Christ because of what He has done for you on the cross. And you can share that with people. How will you know and experience the coming of Christ this Advent season? You will come to know it and experience it more deeply when you engage in the simple, open proclamation of Jesus Christ as Lord, unencumbered by the vanities of this world. 
It is when you love Christ and Him crucified, a stumbling block to the self-righteous, foolishness to those who believe themselves wise, but those who have eyes to see the light and the wisdom and the power of God. After darkness, after the darkness of being blind to this glory, there is light. Again, this is the phrase that captures the theme of Advent. And this is what the Word of God is telling us this morning. We begin in darkness. We do not know or love or have the light of His glory. Yet God is coming in power to open our eyes that we might see His light. Just as He's spoken to the darkness of creation, He is speaking into the darkness of our blind eyes that we might see. Do you want to know the joy of the glory of God this Advent? Then look to the clear and simple message of Jesus Christ, crucified for sinners. For in His face, the light of the glory of God shines forth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, you say in your word that in your light do we see light. And so we ask that you would shine forth the light of your gospel. We pray that when we see a weak child born, that we might know it is the very creator God himself. That when we hear the message of Christ beaten and bound, we might know that it is the very God who holds together this world by the word of His power. When we hear the Gospel message of our Savior hanging upon a cross and dying, that we might know the glory of the God who is everlasting and will live and has been alive for all eternity. We pray that the Gospel would no longer be veiled to us no longer be veiled to this world, but that You would defeat the God of this world and that light would shine forth in power. We pray this through the name of Jesus Christ, our only hope. Amen.